Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Amen. What a beautiful morning we've got today. And we're so glad that you're here with us this morning to worship with us on this beautiful, well, kind of wet, but it's still pretty nice out there. It could be worse uh, Sunday morning. My name is uh, Pastor Kevin. I'm pastor of community care here at Temple Baptist Church, and it's a real honor to serve in that capacity. And uh, I get a joy of meeting so many people in our church in that ministry. This is the last Sunday of 2019. Where'd the year go? Anyone seen it? I'm still looking for mine. Hard to believe it's gone to the point that we're to the end already. And we're on the threshold of 2019, uh, 2020. It's just coming like a steam, uh, steam engine right down the rails, but you hopefully are ready for it. Perhaps it was a great year last year, and uh, you just rejoice the Lord, just thank Him for all the good things He brought to you and you've been able to enjoy. I trust that's the case. But for others, perhaps 2019 was a hard year, one of unexpected turns and twists, and we pray that uh, you may know that God's grace and that people among us, our church family, may come around you and to share their love with you at the time of loss. For me, myself, it was one of those years was good and bad. I lost my mother in July this year. It was very hard to say goodbye to her. Very difficult death. But I had two grandchildren born on the other side. So that's the way the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But uh, let's praise the Lord and for his goodness and faithfulness each and every day in our lives. Let's pray. Father, you are God. We are not. We come before you humbly, Lord, to serve you and to listen to you and to obey you. And we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to worship you in your house, your temple, your place of, of uh, representation of you on earth here. We thank you, Lord, Father, that we can come and glorify your name. We thank you, Lord, that you are our hope and our salvation. We pray, Lord, that you will speak to us in a special way this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I want to look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's found in chapter 5 of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And this portion of Scripture is the largest concentrated piece of material we have of Jesus' teaching. This is his greatest uh, exposure to his ministry here on earth. And there's a lot of information packed in here, and Jesus has a lot to say. The day that he spoke this, this is a sermon that he gave on a mount in Israel. Now, the mount would not be a huge mountain like we have out west, but rather be a large hill, which he would be at the top of the hill. And it says there in verse 1 there of chapter 5 in Matthew, um, Matthew, did I say Mark a moment ago? Okay, good. My mind said, I thought I said Mark, that's good. It's Matthew chapter 5. But he would be on the hill there, and uh, they would be gathering below him, and he would begin to teach, and they were there to listen, and they wanted to hear what he had to say. This, this sermon is one that uh, Jesus talks about the heart. He goes to the center of our being. 
And he talks about morality, choices, ethics, and the things that we have to deal with in our heart on a daily basis. And as far as ethics, it's never been a more confusing time in our country than right now. The lines are blurred. It's very difficult to understand just what is right and what is wrong. We have fake news. We have fraudulent emails. We have politicians who constantly lie. We have phone calls that are scams that would come into our house all the time. Our society is really struggling with uh, where it stands in its moral peers, where it stands morally, how it's handling the day-to-day life and how society itself is trying to um, find its way. Morality is a standard that is set. It's a standard that you reach for and strive for. It's something that you, in your mind, that you decide that this is right and that is wrong. Immorality is a deliberate decision to go against that standard. What I think we're we're dealing with today and struggling with today in particular is amorality. Amorality. The sense of people aren't aware that there is a standard. People aren't aware that there is a level of decency. People aren't aware that there is a level that they're supposed to be striving for. It's one that people are surprised when you maybe tell them that, have you ever considered that maybe not is the healthiest choice for your lifestyle? Or that way that you're speaking really isn't the truth, but they have no concept that there is a truth, that there is a right and a wrong. There's a blurring of the right and wrong perspectives in our society. Sermon on the Mount addresses that issue it's basically divides into two sections. The Beatitudes from verse one of chapter five to verse 16 talks about who we are, talks about the character of us as believers. It has the Beatitudes listed there. And then it says in verse 13, it says, we are the salt. And in 15 there it says, we are the light. It's saying what we are. The Beatitudes are what we are and it's lived out in our lives in a sense of light and salt impacting the world. Jesus has much to say about how we are to impact the world. The second part of the, Beatit- of the Sermon on the Mount is talking about our, the, the bulk of it is talking about our conduct and how our heart influences our conduct. The first part of the Sermon on the Mount is talking about our character. The second part is talking about our conduct and how our heart is to control and influence our conduct as we live on a daily basis. It says there in uh, verse 17 of chapter 5, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappeared, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks breaks one of these 
least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of God. For I told you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus starts off this discussion saying, do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. That is not why I came. I came to fulfill them. The law and the prophets are, can stand on their own. That is the teachings that Moses gave us with the Ten Commandments and with the law that he gave on Mount Sinai for the people of Israel to organize their social structure as a society. And Jesus says, there's nothing wrong with these laws. There's nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, nothing will be lost of them. Not a letter, not a stroke will ever disappear from them. They will always be forever as long as the earth exists. But Jesus goes on to talk in this passage about that we need to go deeper than just the law itself. That we need to go down below the law to the heart of the matter. Jesus wants to drill down below Moses' teaching to the foundational truths of what is right and what is wrong. And that becomes a heart matter. The heart impacts our choices, our motives, our character. The law impacts our behavior. It gives us a standard, a measurement of not to go too far or that we need to go a little farther in order to fulfill the law. But it's the heart that interprets the law and how that we use it, we obey it, and we have it serve us in a healthy situation. It's sort of like a speed sign along the, the road. If you're zipping along and you're uh, cruising along and all of a sudden you come to a, a speed sign that is lower than what you've been going, you have to decelerate and you have to go a little slower, you obey that law, that, that sign, because you don't want to get a ticket. That's the law. But in your heart, or you may be with the person you're with, start grumbling about this speed. This is so ridiculous. I'm going so slow. I got, I'm on a, a schedule, and it looks like for the next little while, we're going at this slow speed. There's no houses around here. Why does it have to be so slow? You see, that sign affects your behavior, but it doesn't affect your heart. It affects how hard you push on the pedal, but it doesn't affect your complaining and your whining and the fact that you're upset and you think you have a better solution than what the Ministry of Transportation has for that particular strip of highway. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's talking about the outer, the inner in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about the, the, uh, the behavior. He's talking about the character of a believer. And there's two aspects of it. The law cannot fully meet the inner heart completely. And we struggle with this in life, and we struggle this in very practical ways. Jesus then goes on to say, in verse 20, he makes a very startling statement there in verse 20. He says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
That's a pretty strong statement. And uh, you can only imagine that those people on the, on the Tehill side, their ears would perk up and they would say, what is he talking about? The Pharisees are the standards of the law. The Pharisees are the super conservative law keepers. They're the ones that are so concerned about keeping the law and teaching the law and enforcing the law. How can we not? How can we possibly be able to surpass their righteousness? And the teachers of the law would be similar. They would be teaching the law. They would be enforcing it. That would be their centerpiece of their teaching and their lifestyle. And people would think, how can this be? How can we ever reach that standard? The word Pharisee means separatist. So the Pharisee was to, his whole life was to be separate, separate from the common person. He would watch who he would have lunch with. He would watch where he would sit. He would make sure that his, his, he didn't break any of the laws, ceremonial laws. His hands were clean. He wouldn't touch a dead body and so forth and so on. There are something like 650 laws that the uh, people of Israel had to practice in their worship. And he would know every one of them. But Jesus says there's a righteousness that needs to be found that's below the law. Even though the law is good, it needs to reach down into the heart. And we find that in verse 21, when Jesus says, you may have heard that it is said to people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That's the law. You murder someone, you have to pay the price. You have to face the judgment. But Jesus goes on to say, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who is, says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And here we see, these people would be hearing Jesus say, you have to obey the law, which was pretty orderous on them, pretty heavy for them to fulfill that. But now he says, not only the law, but you have to not even hate or be angry with your brother. You can't call him a fool. You can't call him a name. You can't be disrespectful. Jesus is going below the, the law. He's drilling down deep below Moses and saying, this is greater than just obeying the law. If you murder someone, that would be, an, we recognize if you murder someone, that's enough to stop us to, for doing that, for taking that act and, and, and doing that. But what's stopping us from hating or being angry with our brother, Jesus says. Jesus says the morality of heaven the morality of the kingdom. The Pharisees won't, can't, aren't reaching this standard. They aren't entering the kingdom of heaven. For you to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to have this deeper standard. And the people would have thought, wow, that's incredible. He went on there to say, therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, in verse 23, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar, First, go and be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. And Jesus is saying, not only 
can you not be angry with someone else, but if you're aware that you're out of fellowship and someone is angry with you, you still have a responsibility to go to them and try to work out whatever the issue is. We think if someone has crossed us, it's their responsibility for them to come to us, and it is. But if we're aware of broken fellowship, if we're aware that some, a brother is, or a sister is suffering, if we're recognizing that we are not on the proper relationship, it could be with our, not just within the church, it could be outside the church with our, our family, it can be with our neighbor, our workmate. But if we know, this is talking about particularly about in the church, if we know that we're out of sync with someone, it's our responsibility to correct that before we continue on with our worship. God says you can't even worship properly without a proper response of asking forgiveness. Wow! What a standard! Jesus is going below the law. We come to church, we look religious, we look fine, we look like we're doing the right thing, we, take, we have our Bibles, but if you're not in fellowship with your brother or sister, God says you have a problem and you need to deal with it. It's just not a matter of looking religious. It's a matter of being righteous and responding. God then says, uh, says the same thing about adultery in verse 27. It has been said, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman with lustfulness already has committed adultery with her in her heart. Jesus saying, you don't have to go and do, commit the act of adultery. Maybe you don't have the courage to do that. Maybe you're afraid of some of the consequences. But in your heart, oh, that's another matter. Who knows it? I can still look spiritual. I can still go to church. My wife won't know. Others won't know. But what's going on in the heart? Jesus is drilling down. It's the inside-outside dichotomy that we struggle with on a daily basis that we have to deal with and to work through and say, what is truth for me? What is the standard? Jesus then says there, talks about oaths. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, don't swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. And what Jesus is saying here is saying, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Very simple. But see, what the people in this time, what they had gone, got into the habit of doing is trying to make their oaths, they, they kind of had two types of oaths. They had one oath that was one that, you know, they given, whether they kept it, it really wasn't that important. And there was another oath that if they gave it, they wanted to strengthen it. They wanted to show, this is really important. And so they would give an oath, and they would swear by the temple by the gold in the, in, on the temple. Or they would swear by heaven, because that really makes that oath stand out. That really makes that oath. If I give a, an oath plus swear by heaven, that means that you know, I'm going to keep it. 
And so you have all these various levels of oaths and commitments and promises and non-promises. And Jesus says, garbage. Garbage. Your word is to be your word, and your word is a wo- your word, and that's all that it needs to be. A simple yes, I would do that. A simple no, I can't do that. And we can try to use our words and just kind of just say them the right way. We're not quite maybe telling most of the truth or half the truth or some of the truth. God says, no, you tell all the truth, and you speak it simply and straightly. You see, it's an inside-outside dichotomy. Dichotomy. It's the, Moses with the law talks about our behavior. Jesus talks about our character. The outside law talks about our actions. The inside heart talks about what our morality is. It's the exterior-interior dilemma that we struggle with. And God wants our heart not just empty deeds. He goes on there to talk about eye for an eye. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That sounds pretty fair, doesn't it? That's always the way I used to be when I was on the schoolyard anyway. That's the way it worked. And we kept uh, things pretty, pretty level. Somebody uh, got, you know, got tussled around, someone lost a tooth. Well, kind of you had to get a little payback. That's the way we are in society. You know, you treat me well, I'll treat you well. You look after me, and I'll look after you. But Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. That's so hard to do. When someone strikes us, it's so natural for us, we want to strike back out at them. But God says, that's our inner motive, isn't it? That's our inner energy, that we want to do that. That's our inner desire to get even. But God says, no, that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to turn the cheek. And that's so hard to do. And I I can tell you from a personal perspective why it's so hard to do. A couple months ago, my wife was driving to work and uh, a young man from our neighborhood hit her from the back end. They got out of the cars, they they exchanged some information and they took off. And uh, my wife explained to him that, you know, he, they would get the car looked at and he would be paying the bill. We weren't going to put we thought we would, we would do him a favor, not put it through insurance. So we went about, we got the estimate, we took it to the house and uh, we gave it the estimate to, uh, to them, and to the young man. And uh, he, uh, he said, yeah, yeah. And he said that uh, we'll bring back the bill. We brought back the bill later on, and then he took the bill, and he was, again, he just said, yeah, yeah, that's about all he says, this, this boy. <laughs> Doesn't want to give too much information. And uh, he took the bill, and it's been about four weeks, and I haven't seen or heard a thing. I'm still waiting to hear his response. But you know what? The Lord's been dealing with me, because, you know, in that four weeks, you know, I've been thinking some unpleasant things about that young boy thinking of some creative ways I could go and and impact his life, the way he impacted my life. But you know, the Lord's talking to me, Kevin. You can still deal with the issue, but make sure you do it properly. You can still deal with with the young man, but make sure you respect him. 
You can have the law on your side, but remember, I'm digging down. I also want your heart, Kevin, and I want a heart reaction to the situation. And that's hard, isn't it? But that's what the Sermon on the Mount is. The whole theme through the Sermon on the Mount is back and forth. The, the Pharisees say this, but God says that. He says, you, you've heard it said, love your enemies, love your neighbors, sorry, and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute, persecute you. Pray for those who are actually actively bothering you, that are actually bringing difficulty and, and, and trouble into your life. Not just the nice people, but those who are causing you real trial and real pain. It's sort of like what if we have a rash on our face. We go to the doctor and the doctor looks at that rash and he kind of looks at it and inspects it. He says, he could maybe just suggest you to go get some makeup and put some makeup on that rash and just to, you know, cover it over and that way it won't look so bad and hopefully it'll go away and people don't have to look at it. He could do that, probably wouldn't. Because a good doctor would say, what's going on here? He would look deep, he would look into the person, he would look what's going on in the body that is creating that rash on the face exterior. And he goes interior to have a proper exterior response. He would give out some medication or some cream to help the individual with that rash. And likewise, God is talking about us. God's talking about our internal response to external living. He's talking about a right heart of living that we can honor God. The Sermon on the Mount continues on in chapter 6. It says, Be careful to do your acts of righteousness, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's kind of sobering. Because I know a lot of people are doing all kinds of acts, good acts, expecting it to be stored up in heaven. But God says, if your motive is just to be seen by those around you, if that's why you're trying to do these good deeds, then that's your reward. Whatever they say to you, whatever they do for you, whatever they compliment you with, that's it, so enjoy it. But it's not being transferred up into heaven because you're doing it with the wrong motive. It says there, don't give to the needy by sounding trumpets and waving your money all around so everybody will see it. You will have your reward. Rather, when you give your good deeds, you are to give it by not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You're to give it in secret. Then your Father in heaven will reward you greatly. It's the heart worship. It's not that we give things, we, we give our money, we give our time, we give our talents to get acclamation back. And it is important to encourage. I'm the first one to say to encourage one another. But if that's the reason we're doing it, then that's your reward. Because it's not a heart ministry. It's just a ministry that you're doing because the Bible tells you to do it and you're going to do it and you got to do or worse and often it can be the case, you got to do it. 
God says, I want to deal with the heart. I want to see the heart. It talks about prayer there. Again, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. What are we to do that uh, have a true relationship with God, that have a, has a heart relationship with God? It says that that person, those people are going into the closet, close the door, go in secret, bow down to the Lord by yourself and pray to him. And when you're done, you know you've connected with God. If you have no relationship, you go into that same closet, you bow down, you try to pray with God, about five, you might last five minutes tops, and you'll be so bored you won't have well, what to say to the Lord because you have no relationship with him. It's just a legalistic ritual that you do is your prayer time. God wants our prayer time to touch our hearts because our prayer touches his heart. Again, it talks about fasting. It says, don't look like you're fasting. Don't make people feel bad for you. It talks about treasures in heaven. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth, but rather store up treasures in heaven. The inside, outside. Most treasures here on earth are visible. The things we can see, touch, and smell, and, and play with. Treasures in heaven, for most part, are things we can't see. The eternal, the internal. We get so focused on the external. God says, watch where your treasures are. It talks about not worrying. It talks about, you know, not worrying about the things of, these world, of this world, but rather trusting God. It talks about not judging one another. On and on throughout the Sermon on the Mount, God, Jesus talks over and over again about the internal, external. And that's where the battle lies for so many of us. There in verse 24, as Jesus is wrapping up the sermon, he gives us a picture of two houses. There's a wise builder and a foolish builder. The wise builder builds his house on the rock. The foolish builder builds his house on the sand. Now, you may, they may be identical homes. You may go along, be walking along the road and say, hey, those homes look pretty sharp. They have real nice curb appeal. They look the same to you. But what's the difference? It's the internal. It's what you can't see. It's what's below the ground that makes the difference. And Jesus says when the water comes and the water rises and the wind blows and the storms occurs, the one that's built on the rock stays firm. Why? because the foundation is on the rock. What we can't see is so important. But what happens to the one on, on the sand? It crashes with a great crash. And in our hearts, only you know personally what your foundation is sitting on. Only you know personally what your foundation is trusting. Is it trusting Jesus Christ? Or are you trusting in something that's not worth trusting in, that's something that can't sustain you when the pressures and the stresses of life come along and knocks you over? See, I can't tell you. You look all look fantastic today. You look really good. You look, you're all here in church. That's good. I see some people smiling, some couples smiling. That's, 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 that's very good. 
but you know, I can't see your heart. I can't see what your foundation is. I can't see what you're trusting in. Only God does, and God says it's a matter of the heart. And it's a matter of the heart that he wants to talk to us. There was a prisoner who was in jail for a period of time, and he became a Christian during his, uh, the time he was in jail. He was so excited to get out, and the first thing he wanted to do when he got out, which he did, is he wanted to go to a church. So he found a church, just picked one, and just first Sunday he was out, just went in and sat down at the back of the church, and he was sitting there, and he began looking around, and then all of a sudden he noticed he saw at the front, he saw, uh-oh, he saw the Ten Commandments. He thought, oh, that is the last thing I want to see is the Ten Commandments. God's law. I know I broke the law. I spent time in jail. I know that I messed my life up. I know I blew it. And now I have to sit to the sermon and look at the Ten Commandments condemning me again. As the sermon went on and uh, the service went on, he kept on looking at them and kind of perusing over them and thinking about them a bit. And a funny thing started to happen. He began to see the commands that Moses had given in a different light. He saw them as commands, but his heart began to process them as a promise. He read the command, you shall not steal. But as he thought about that, he began to see it as a promise saying, you shall not steal. He saw the next command, you shall not lie. But as he thought about that, he thought, that can be a promise too, can it? You shall not lie. You shall not covenant. But flip that on the other side, he saw it as a promise, you shall not covet. He stopped seeing the commands as something onerous, just to uh, stick on his outside conduct, just to keep him prim and proper. Rather, he saw the commands going deeper, what Jesus is talking about, going to the heart of the matter, going to his deepest soul, into the crevices of his heart and his life, and asking him to see God's truth as a promise for him to live a life that is pleasing unto him. And that's what God gives to us. For this year in 2020 that's coming to us quickly, let's do some heart work. Let's do some heart examining and say, Lord, I want you, I don't want to just be a Christian. I don't want to be just on the be, on the doing level. I want you to drill down to me, just like you did in the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to do some heart work on me. I want this year to be a different year. I want to make some corrections, some changes that, I've, I, that I, I know I need to make. There's someone perhaps I need to speak to. There's someone I need to ask forgiveness from. I need to change my attitude about somebody, about my workmate, or about my work, or about my job, about my teacher, of my child. Lord, you need to do some heart work. Or perhaps you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. You don't have a relationship with him. And you're trying to figure out religion. I just keep doing this, you know. I keep coming to church. I, I, uh, I try not to swear. I try to live a pretty good life, you know. And I don't understand it. It's because you're not connected by the heart. 
And Jesus today calls out to you, my child, come to me because it's your heart is what I want. And so heart relationship is what we need. Let's look for this year and ask God to do real heart work in us, we pray. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you, Lord, that your word never changes. And Father, we can trust your word every day. And Father, we pray that as you have such a desire to change our hearts, help us, Lord, not to keep hearts of stones. Help us, Lord, to give you our heart, one that you can work, that one that you can uh, change, and that, Lord, that you can do in us what you want us to do. We thank you for your truth, and we thank you, Lord, that you love us so deeply that you want to deal with us and love us and help us personally. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no way.